Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Can we just like take a minute? Um, because I feel like as much fun as it is to be together with family that the that the blueprints that he's giving us, the cases that he's giving us are real. They're weighty. They're a big deal. And I don't want us to take these moments lightly. It's not something like, I know that this family's not here just because we like having food together. That's just the fruit of us wanting to be together, to dine together in the spirit. And so tonight, I just, I feel the weight of what is coming because he's releasing an answer. Continuing to speak to us about what he's saying is going to change the world. But it's going to start right here with us. If that's something we're all crying out for and we're all declaring to happen, then he's going to start right here in us, like first in me, first in our family, first in our hearts. Yahweh, we give you permission to speak boldly to us. That as mature sons and daughters, we don't stand in a place thinking that it's for somebody else, that you're speaking to someone else, but I know you're speaking directly to each and every one of our hearts. <laughs> that what you're asking us to carry out and get loud about is a serious thing. It's not a, it's not a church structure. It's not another program. But it's the answer that this world is crying out for. And we don't take that lightly. We thank you that you've given us apostolic spiritual parents, a mother and a father that are willing to push us to go a little deeper, to look a little further, to find that specific strategy that you've laid out, to look into the times, to look into the calendar that you laid out for us to dive into what numbers mean and what what the small things mean because they're pointing to something so much bigger. We just posture our hearts to receive what you're saying today. We posture our hearts to receive more of the blueprint that you're laying out, more of the strategy that you're giving us to move forward into this year. And we don't take that lightly. We honor you We honor the process that it took to walk us from out of out of the places that we've been into our next. We honor that there's more, that there's more to come. We just open our eyes and open our ears, open the eyes of our heart tonight to to receive the more, to receive the next, to receive the the addition to to walk into the next era. 
Let us not be a family that stands arrogant, that says, I know all the strategy from the last era. I've walked through it. I know what will work, but we lay down what we always thought was going to work, what we thought would get us through the next, and we just thank you for what is to come. We thank you for the new, the, the way to walk out the new era. As we just wait in this silence, I just thank you that what is to come is something that has maybe not been heard of, that is not being caught very easily because it's something that you have to wait and rest on. That in that place of rest, we just thank you, Yahweh, that you are bringing and unfolding more of the answer, more of the way to walk out our next. I don't know how tonight's gonna go, but I just wanna stay in this, uh, stay in this atmosphere, stay in this flow. Mom and Dad, we wanna bring you guys up. We're ready to <clears throat> hear all that he's been speaking about this week and what's to come. I'm trying to. Missy said I wanna stay in this flow, so I'm like, I'm like. I'm trying to envision the river so I can stay in the flow. Uh, I wanna kinda outline tonight. I know every family night is always different. Sometimes it's um, just kinda get down, thank you. Uh, sorry about, well, I should apologize actually for a couple things. Number one, I apologize for not asking for this earlier and we were like eight minutes late today. And I want to, I know, but I really do want to humble the Brewer family to let you guys know that we honor uh, the time that it takes to prepare for family nights. And I have personally gotten up here and said that we need to honor time, right? We always talk about Flagstaff time and it just show up whenever we want, but really to honor one another for the preparation for the food and, and the time that it takes. And it was dishonoring of us to show up a few minutes late. So I really do, I really do wanna apologize for that. Uh, I want to outline tonight because like I was saying, our family nights sometimes are just really just answer questions and a lot of discussion and back and forth. Sometimes it's teaching, sometimes it's explanation, sometimes it's going back. Sometimes it's just, we just don't even know what's going to happen. And I feel like we're going to do a little bit of all of it tonight. So, um, so I want to be able to have enough time for it. And I want to be able to flow, like what Missy was saying is to be able to fall, follow the flow of what it is that's necessary, meaning we are always prepared forever we, wherever we need to go. But if we also need to take a hard stop and all of you are like, what happened last month when you took the law away from me? Or when you gave me the law, is what I should say. When you took my mindset about the law away from me and then you started talking about holidays, I wanna talk about that. <laughs> we are okay as a family to have a conversation with that, but we're also ready to move forward and to, um, to do a couple things tonight. So I wanna lay out what's on our hearts and then we'll kind of go from there on what you guys are seeing and feeling because I do wanna have a time of discussion specifically because of how powerful the last teaching was. Did you guys think that that was not powerful? I feel like the last time that, uh, that we kind of came forth with that revelation, it was another huge, uh, I would say another huge shift into the wrestling match that I know you're all in, in the midst of being transitionals. If we are considered transitionals and we are in the midst of a Cosmo calendar where the church age door is open and the new era 
door is open and we're right smack in the middle, then I know that you are all, as I am, in a huge wrestling match of what do I let go and let the door shut? What do I keep and what door do I step through moving forward? This should be a huge wrestling match. And if it's not, then you're not understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> because everything that comes out of my heart and the things that I'm leaning into is a huge wrestling match. And my job is to be able to, uh, is to encourage the family to be in that wrestling match. It's not my job to tell you this is how it is. Some of you may say, mom, I honor where you're going. I was born for such a time as this. I'm a transitional, but I wanna end the church age well. Amen. We are going to be wrestling for a long time because I want to close that door so hard and be like about 200 years into the new era. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means we're going to have a big wrestling match. And that's a good thing because a new name comes out of a wrestling match. Amen. So, uh, so we're going to do a few things tonight. I hope that I can outline it. I want to discuss a little bit about the feast that we are in tonight. Right now, I know I told you guys that we're going to be moving forward probably till the end of the year, maybe even more, where we're gonna, the next pillar is honoring the feast. Did that all get erased? It did. So we are into our next pillar. The next pillar is honoring the feast. We're going to be talking about the feast for a long time. But I can't miss an opportunity and say, hey, we're going to be talking about the feast later when we're in the middle of a feast right now. So I want to take a little bit of time tonight and I want to talk to you about the two different feasts that we are in the middle of, a little bit of what it means and a little bit about where we're going. So we're going to talk about that. And then the second thing that we're going to talk about is we're actually going to be reviewing... I really do need to write this down. Um, we're going to be reviewing the floor of the second. Uh, do you guys remember the, the word for the floor of the second floor? What was it? Gabby's got it. Honor. So now we are, we are in a, I don't even know if season's the right word, but we are in another dimension. Can I talk that way? We are in another dimension where the foundation is Honor. And he's going to begin as a family to build what it is that we are to honor in this new era. And so we need to kind of go back a little bit, I think, as a family and discuss what honor means. Because one of the things that was released, do you remember when uh, dad was preaching about the house and owning the home and not just kind of handing it off? There was some revelation that came out that I think that we need to review tonight, what honor means and what that looks like to honor the process. In fact, I'll just kind of go for it really quick. I want to rephrase a couple things. I've been seeing some things in the spirit. Do you know how uh, the root level, it was about salvation and it was about uh, healing and it was about me. Then we moved into building for him. So then when we say the, the, the degree that you honor will be the degree that you own, I think all of us say amen because we want to own the earth. But then you walk out that door and you're like, yeah, that takes a lot of work. I don't want to own nothing. So the more somebody comes at me and says to the degree that you honor is the degree that you own, suddenly there's this almost complacent back, I don't want to say backsliding, but back step. I don't know if I want to own that. I'd rather go back to salvation. So the more you keep talking about owning, the less I want to honor. And so then we start getting this, uh, this um, friction or clash or wrestling match. And so I want to change the wording because I believe that you're going to own regardless. 
It's your destiny. Whether you do it with him or you do it alone is the question. So now I'm going to change the wording. To the degree that you honor is the degree that he'll own in you. Okay? So he is going to own things through you, but it'll be to the degree of what we honor. Does that make sense? We're going to shift it a little bit. So I want to go back to some foundational things, make sure that we're understanding honor, because if we don't understand the foundation of that, then we're not going to own the feast. To the degree that I honor the process of walking through the feast isn't going to be the more I have to do. It's the degree that I honor the feast is the more he gets to do through me. There's a difference. And I think that the way we've been saying it has been causing a little bit of, uh, um, uh, could be a potential stop in the process. So we want to go over owning tonight. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to tie it into the year 5781 and prophetically, what is the word of the year? Amen? I know that you guys all had encounters last week and they were absolutely beautiful. I'm pretty sure it was Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, which by the way, happy birthday. Did you get my text? Didn't get my text. Okay. Well, I said happy birthday, baby. So I'm pretty sure it was him, but somebody had said that they saw flowers in the garden dancing and they were complimenting the people as they walked by. It was a beautiful encounter. It was a beautiful place that we all were. But like Missy said, once you're in that place, there is always a dinner table. It is not just for us to enjoy the flowers while that is amazing. There is a purpose for that realm. There is a purpose because it is the dinner table. As Missy was saying, on earth we get to walk that out. But the Hebraic word for dinner table, I think I've talked about this before, but to refresh our memory, table in Hebrew actually means this. You guys ready? The secrets of the father get released to the sons and daughters who are sitting at the table. The secrets of the Father are released to the sons and daughters who are sitting at the table. There is a boundary around this table. Nobody else is able to know his secrets as those that have answered the invitation to come to the dinner table. How powerful is it that we were an encounter to get a greater perspective about the heavenly realm and then we get to come together as a family and implement a mere image of what's happening up there where the blueprints, the secrets of Yahweh get released to the sons and daughters to build for him. Amen? So while that was awesome, I want to catapult off that, and we want to release the word of the year. I don't even know if that's necessarily making sense. There was, what am am I trying to say? There was amazing declarations. I absolutely believe that the declarations that were made are going to happen. But I'm looking for like that sentence, that visionary sentence. It's like when you make a New Year's resolution and that's like your banner that you hold on to. That's what I want out of tonight is we're going we're gonna, to uh, prophetically speak into the year 5781, what 81 means, what that means for this family, what he's doing in this next year so that we can be uh, involved in his secrets. Because that's what's so amazing. I feel like uh, in the old days, it would just be kind of like, well, whatever, whoever, whatever prophet in the house had the, had the word of the Lord would, would begin to guide and steer and We don't need to do that. He's already done the guiding and the steering and he has the blueprint laid out for us. It's just us to search out his mysteries to figure out what that blueprint is and follow it, amen? So tonight we're gonna go over uh, the feast, we're gonna go over honor and ownership and then we are also gonna go over 5781. You guys good? Okay, I wanna draw this. Is there anything you wanna add to that while I'm drawing this and then we'll get into the feast? 
Well, you kind of need to add because I'm going to draw. Uh, it sounds kind of weird, but who's tired? Come on. No. Um, I think to jump off of what she was just talking about as we get into this, who's tired because you can honestly self-reflect and possibly say you've been doing it by yourself? Mm-hmm. Not with anybody else, no brothers, sisters, not with him, right? Or you could be tired because you've been doing everything he's been asking you. You've been pursuing, you've been dying, you've been, right? You could, you could have two tired people, but tired for completely different reasons, right? And we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. But what I do want to say is that um, God wants to meet every single one of us at the threshold of a new reality. He's standing at the threshold of a new reality and he wants to meet us there, but we have to go there. We got to go there, which means we got to fully mature to a place to where we're, we're doing what he's asking as he's leading us to that place. We got to get to that place. I think a lot of people, you know, uh, just speaking generally, a lot of people will check the boxes. I go to church. I, I serve. I do this. I Whatever. We do all the Christian type things, right? And then you pray for somebody and it's like it didn't happen. What happened? I, pr- I prayed for this. I've been asking God for this and it didn't happen. And, it's, and sometimes I think what God's showing in this time, and we're going to get to the flip side of it, is that a lot of times if you don't if you're not willing to meet him at the threshold of a new reality, which may be way over there, right? Because you're just checking your boxes, but you're not really pressing into him, pursuing him, hungering for him, taking every opportunity. If you're not doing all that and getting yourself closer to the threshold of a new reality, then he's not just going to do it for you. Right? And we'll get into this later. But I just wanted to throw that out there. We have to evaluate if we're tired, right? And if anybody's not tired, I want to talk to you and see what you've been doing, what you got going on. Like, how are you, how are you figuring it out? Because um, I hit a wall today. I hit a wall today. Mine and was I'm on just... Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't think it's just like, oh, this week was rough. I think spiritually... We're in such a place. We are in such a transitionary place. I was telling somebody the other day that if you could, if you think about our country and how our country was birthed, what preceded that was a revolution. And the people that were involved in that were revolutionaries, revolutionaries. And at some point they got to the place to where the door was closed on the revolution and they had to then become forefathers. I, I would say we're in a place where we have fought. Yeah. We have fought against the loyalism to the old way of governance. We've won the battles. We have won. Yep. And now we can turn our back on the revolution and we have to be forefathers and we have to birth in something that was previously only an idea. 
right? How hard is it to describe what God, what you perceive God doing when it's something that's never happened before? We have fought to get to this place to where we can even start to move forward into what God is trying to birth, and we're becoming forefathers. Does that make sense? It's like we, 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 you hear a lot of talk about forerunners. You're forerunning something. Being a forefather is even greater than that because you have to take what you were forerunning and you have to carry that idea and you have to literally birth it into existence. Everything you fought for. That's what I'm talking about. When God says he'll meet us at the threshold of a new reality, we have to literally walk out revolutionary uh, uh, type stuff to get to that place. Right? But if, if the same forefathers who birthed our country, if they had not gotten to the end of themselves, it wouldn't have happened. Right? So that's just the magnitude of what we're talking about. And we'll, we'll get more into it, but... It was interesting. When, did you guys see me pointing as he was talking? So, you know, revolutionizing and, and leaving a certain structure was that foundation. And that's that, that's that pull to that ownership because now in this arena is the real building. It's the, that, was a, that was a firm foundation on what we had uh, revolutionized or become revolutionists for. But now, it's, now you're fathering something. Now you're honoring things. You're, you're building tradition within your family. You're beginning to walk out what it should look like. And so, so there's, a, there's a real uh, aspect to that that we'll be talking about. So I don't know how much I'm going to be, I don't know how much to get into this. I could do this for years. And so I, I mean, I'm, I'm 20 minutes. What am I supposed to tell you guys for 20 minutes about uh, about uh, the feast that we're in? So I'm just going to kind of go and we're just going to see what happens. Um, but as you guys all know, last Friday when we were together, we we celebrated uh, what you what we've called Rosh Hashanah, right? You guys had apples and honey. Uh, I said it on the Kingdom Airs box. I'm going to try to teach us how to say it the correct way. It's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. It means the, the head of the year or the new year. But I, I'm, I'm here to explain something to you that I'm so excited about your wrestling match um, because it's something that I just learned. The best way for me to explain this is, um, okay, let me say something bold. The church has a place. That's salvation. Period. The problem is, is Constantine made a structure that said, stay at salvation, stay in the church structure, don't grow. And if you get tired, maybe just move around a church. That's not the gospel. That's not the kingdom. That's not the place we have. Because as sons and daughters who are beginning to wake up that there's more than the Sunday shot in the arm and the old structure that says that you're here to be saved, once you know that you're saved, we've spent our whole lives dwelling over what I should be saved from. We've never spent our whole lives saying, what am I saved for? So now what we're doing is we're shifting into what am I saved for? And all of a sudden you're gonna begin to wake up to some mysteries. You're gonna wake up that maybe the lost souls aren't your main focus. Just, just let it lie 
I'll get there. We will get there. I'm just saying that may not be your primary focus because we haven't been told the full truth. We haven't been told the whole story. We haven't been told what one new man is. We haven't been told what neither Jew nor Gentile. We haven't been told what happens in the prophetic season when we come together. We haven't been told these mysteries. We've, we, we've, been, we've been told that, uh, I mean, we know what we've been told. And so what I, what I get kind of excited about and also really annoyed about is I just learned about Rosh Hashanah like two years ago. And I just found out last week or two weeks ago that Rosh Hashanah is actually a civil thing in Israel. It's not even biblical. So we're going to have to catapult into some quickness, if that makes sense, because we're, let's just say, let's just say 40, 60 years behind, and then we get caught up, and he's already like, awesome, I'm really glad you're at the dinner table, because my secrets are yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen. So if you're wrestling now, it will be a constant wrestling match, and that should be amazing. Don't let this new become your old, is all I'm saying. So what I want to talk to you guys about is, is Rosh Hashanah, because I, because it is very, uh, it, it is, it's very important. I just want to change the language. Are you guys okay with that? Rosh Hashanah would be like saying Happy New Year. It's not wrong. It, it's just like saying Happy New Year. It would be like New Year's Eve for Americans saying Happy New Year. In, I could be wrong about the date. I'll look at my notes and I'll correct it. But I think 1948 is actually when Rosh Hashanah became a holiday in Israel. Because they became, uh, they became a, a country. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. And so they decided, I don't want to be like the Western world. So we're going to create a civil calendar and let's just follow what we know. And we'll start it on one of the feasts and then we'll call it Rosh Hashanah, which basically means Happy New Year, head of the year. Again, not wrong, but it's not necessarily biblical. So what I'm getting at is while we're excited about that, there's still deeper meaning that should excite us. It's more than just saying, Happy New Year, what's the vision for the new year? I see so many churches uh, following uh, the Hebraic lifestyle or the Jewish lifestyle, and they're like, head of the year, and they're giving out these prophecies, but there's even a deeper meaning. There is so much deeper meaning than just saying, Happy New Year. That's all I mean by that. So Rosh Hashanah is the civil new year in Israel. Last Friday was that holiday, but it was also the Feast of Trumpets, okay? Which in, uh, in Hebrew is, I'm gonna totally mess up the word, Yom, ter Yom Teruah, Yom Teruah. It means the Feast of Trumpets. So last Friday was the Feast of Trumpets, okay? After last Friday, we entered into 10 days of awe and Sunday night will be Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, okay? The reason why I'm saying this is because we're in the middle of those two feasts right now. And here's why I want us to know some of the language than just adopting or adapting or understanding Rosh Hashanah, which is Happy New Year, absolutely awesome, but still recognizing that was just from 1948, that that's still a civil thing and not necessarily biblical. We wanna go deeper. Amen? Okay. So the Feast of Trumpets was last Friday. It's the exact same thing as Rosh Hashanah. It's just the biblical feast, meaning that they had been celebrating the Feast of Trumpets forever. And then in 1948, they adopted that feast and said, that's going to be our new year. 
Does that make sense? It would be like us as Americans saying, we're gonna decide that our new year is January 1st. And it just happens to be on a national holiday that was always there, okay? The Feast of Trumpets is so powerful. Some of the, some of the biblical uh, meanings that can get you really excited is that the, the Jewish rabbis say that Genesis 1-1 happened at that feast. Okay. The Feast of Trumpets... And I released this on Kingdom Heirs, but I want this to be, I want this to settle into your spirit because I want us to understand what we just entered into. Yes, we entered into a new year, not the biblical new year. Can you guys tell me the biblical new year when it starts? Who said that? Passover. Nissan. Remember in Deuteronomy when Yahweh was so good and he told them, you get to start over? The, the, the calendar year had been going, but then he said, your months start over. That's why we're in month, what month? Nine, six, seven. We're like halfway through the year, and yet we're celebrating a new year. That's why, because biblically he changed it for us. So we're going to get into some deeper meaning. So the feast, uh, the feast of Trumpets, this is so powerful. When you guys hear Gabe blow on the shofar, some of us might be like, what is that? When you blow on the shofar, it actually is a symbol of his breath flowing through a ram's horn. A ram is a male lamb, Yeshua. The sound of who he is being blown through releases a sound. It's a wake-up call for us to recognize where we are. So when they celebrated the Feast of Trumpets, they were celebrating, uh, it's, it's a call for us to remember what he's done for the next 10 days and to understand what he's done for us to be able to move forward for the rest of the year. Now, when I talk about uh, the Feast of Trumpets, there's so many prophetic things that come with that, and that's what I'm trying to decide if I'm supposed to get into. But like I said, Genesis 1-1, they say happened during the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is also the first feast in all the ones that we're going to go over that have not been fulfilled yet. That's a powerful thing for us to recognize that we get to rehearse the trumpet sound for His coming. So we are rehearsing this season, this prophetic season of what's to come in our lives. And that is, that, that is a powerful thing. So does that make sense? So uh, last, um, uh, I don't know. All, all of this is going to unfold over the next months as we go through each feast. But I wanted to give a taste of at least the one that we're in right now and what Yom Kippur means, which is the Day of Atonement, which is coming on Sunday. For us, what that means is, is that for this last 10 days, you are being given the gift of repentance. And most of us think, that is the last thing I want to do. Because the church world has told you that repentance is you need to feel bad, you need to beat yourself up, you need to recall everything you've done wrong, and you need to feel it, and you need to to change your ways. But that's not what the gift of repentance is. The gift of repentance is a humbling thing that I get to fall on my knees, and I get to say anything that I've done in this last year that does not meet your standard, I want to reconcile that, and I'm willing to make that right. 
And so for these last 10 days, it's a feeling of knowing that what is coming, you're actually, for these 10 days, you're clearing a clear path for more of him to come in. Look at it as you're married. And you've just had this thing that just doesn't sit right for like a year now. We're just not getting to the bottom of it. We keep going back to this one thing. We're good. We're in a relationship. We haven't gotten a divorce. Heaven happens every once in a while. But when heaven's not happening, it's just kind of like, can we get the groceries done? Can we go to bed? Can we get the kids? It's just kind of like that once a week thing. I'm talking about church. You know, you just kind of fall into a rut. I'm going to do my role. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to, but something's just off. That joy is not quite there. It's not ecstasy 24 seven. It's not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in you. I feel like I'm kind of like annoyed with you. I don't, whether you understand the times or not, you've been in this for the last 10 days. So when he's talking about, are you tired? I can tell you why, because we get to fall into his season because he's so good at giving us a blueprint of allowing an opportunity for us to be reconciled back to him. Not that you're not always, you have this, you have this opportunity to be uh, in Yom Kippur because of Yeshua, you have access every single day. But when we have a rehearsal, when we have a feast, does it not remind us of the things to come? You can be married and you can be going about your way and then you go to a beautiful wedding and you're like, oh, those vows. <laughs> right? There's something that happens when you go to a rehearsal that reminds you of something that he, that's coming. That's what we get to do with these feasts. It's a rehearsal of what's to come. The Feast of Trumpets is what's to come. One thing we can all agree on is he's coming, right? Okay. One thing, uh, Dan, he's not up here, but he's so awesome. He goes, look, I don't know what you're getting into with this whole rapture thing, but let me just say this. We agree that he's coming back, right? Yes. I'm good then. Here's the thing. When he comes, how he comes, where you'll be when he comes, tribulation, no tribulation, that's all up for debate. But his return is coming. The Feast of Trumpets is you declaring in that return. And we've missed it as a church because we're too busy celebrating Christmas. We're forgetting. In fact, you've been so lied to, you were told by the church that the law has been done with, away with. Which means that the law's been done away with, he doesn't need to fulfill the rest of the feast. Which means now you are in a dichotomy. You're saying there's no law, but I want him to come back. They don't go together. When he married you to the Torah and he put it inside of you, it was releasing what was to come. How can you say he's returning and I don't believe in that? So everything that I released a couple weeks ago, that's all I was getting at. Paul did not say that you're done away with that law. He did not say that you, that you do away with that law. Yeshua himself said, I came to fill it up. He filled up the first four feasts. He has yet to fill up the last three. 
So when you say that he, he, he did not do away with the law, but he came to fill it up, we are his prophetic vessels during the Feast of Trumpets calling in the rest of his picture, his scroll, his destiny. This is why I get so passionate because what have we been doing? Well, we've missed the whole second half of the Torah. That's now in me. So I've been, neg- I've been basically neglecting my destiny scroll. No wonder we're at odds and dividing and not understanding and t- completely at loss and completely self-fulfilling and building for ourselves and making it about filling needs because we're not operating in the fullness. So the Feast of Trumpets is the beginning of a prophetic season for us to recognize that do we believe that Yeshua said, I did not come away to, I did not come to do away with that, but I came for, I came for it to be meaningful for you or to fill it up. And he's so good that you were born for such a time as this, that you know that he has filled not one, not two, not three, but four of the feasts. Why would he not fill six? Five, six, and seven. And when he does, an eighth day happens. And that's when a new beginning begins to arise. This is powerful. You could have been born for such a time as this at 300 BC. And he had only fulfilled none. It was all still tradition. It was bait. They had to call in Passover. Do you guys know when they were doing the leaves? That wasn't just, oh, I have a revelation. Maybe I should do a palm leaf. That was something that they were doing year after year. Oh, Hosanna. But one day, one day on the year that they always were celebrating that, on that one day, he happened to actually walk by them. They had been doing it for thousands of years, but there was one day that what they called forth actually happened. Then they celebrated unleavened bread for centuries. And then all of a sudden, one day, he went to hell. He got the keys and he separated the captives from the sin. And it actually happened. Then they celebrated for centuries first fruits. Constantly bringing their barley, constantly bringing the harvest, believing in the first fruits. And then one day, he rose and said, I will be the first fruits of all that are asleep. And it actually happened. Then, for centuries, they had celebrated Pentecost, which was not called Pentecost. Constantine changed that too. But they celebrated Shavuot for centuries. Do you know what they were celebrating? The wedding gift on Mount Sinai when the Torah began to marry the people for centuries. On the same day that in Acts 2, it actually happened. And the Holy Spirit began to bring the best wedding gift that ever could happen where you married him inside of you. All of a sudden, the best wedding gift rose inside of you. It actually happened. Exodus 19 was actually a thing. And then they honored Exodus 19 for centuries. And then Acts 2 actually happened. What I'm saying to a group of people that would say, can I go beyond salvation and actually get into the truth? That when in the Feast of Trumpets, that we would be a people that would celebrate the Feast of Trumpets for centuries. Because one day, 
actually going to happen. It's actually going to happen on Feast of Trumpets. His return is going to happen. But, but, but we don't get excited about the Feast of Trumpets. In fact, we get offended by it. Well, I knew Easter and Christmas. What is this beyond salvation crap? We're going back to an old thing because the old thing is a new thing. We don't need a new structure built off Constantine. We need what he said. And he's going to fulfill it. If he fulfilled four, he'll fulfill the rest. And I'm saying that we are a people that get to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets because you're blowing the shofar. We're blowing the ruach, the breath, through the ram's horn to say the sound. Let it remind us that we need to repent, that we need to make things right because he's coming. Could it not be 10 days of awe and fear? Not because we feel bad, but an opportunity to say, if I have not met the standard, which is ecstasy in heaven, every day of my life, if I've missed the mark, let me make that right. You have 10 days. I mean, you have every day. But we get to, we get to be those people, Hosanna. <laughs> Whatever the season is, because he's going to do it on that day, the day of atonement. <laughs> if the feast of trumpets is when he comes back, what's the day of atonement? When he begins to truly separate us for the last time. Amen? And then, let's make sure I've got this right. Yeah, and you guys know this. Then you got the Feast of Tabernacles. You guys have heard me talk about that. Feast of Tabernacles for centuries. They honored him for being the provider because they knew that if they lived in a tent, he would dwell with them. After he returns and then separates you, that final separation, he then says, I'm gonna dwell with you and live with you on this earth so that you may rule and reign from a place of living with me. That's the feast of, uh, that's the tabernacles. That's about to come up. So if we honor that feast, it's a rehearsal of what's to come because one day he's actually gonna dwell with us in our tents. Amen? So these 10 days, it's not a, it's not a, um, it, it's not a, I mean, it, it's a humbling thing, but it's not a, Oh my, you know, I feel so bad. It's an opportunity. What have I missed out on this last year? Because of either stubbornness, my wrestling match, my complacency, my level of ownership, my level of commitment, my excuses. I'm not making this hard. Jacob, why'd you look at me like that? I thought you looked at me weird. I'm not trying to make this hard. This is like this. In what area have I not operated in the fullness of what he, he gave me the fullness, but I'll go every single day and I won't tap into that fullness. I have, right? I have all the keys. I have the, I have full access. And how many times do I say, I don't want it? Come on, bride. How many times? Yeah, yeah Tassos. Nina's getting it, Nina. Right? 
How many times I have full access and the keys and I'll be the one to say, I don't, I don't want it. It's 10 days of recognizing where did I say I didn't want it? And I'm willing to make it right. And when you do, you're clearing a path. If you have not understood this, you've got two days. You have an opportunity till Sunday night to clear a path. To say, I want the next year to be fully operational with the fullness of him. It's just an opportunity. You know that moment when you're like, something's just off. And then all of a sudden, you go out to dinner and you just hit that sweet spot. And you're like, that was it. That was the splinter. I think that's, that's the root. Oh, this is going to be a fun year. Right? That's that moment. That day of atonement is when you get on your face and you'd be like, that's it. And then he, 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 then he clears the way for the rest of the year. Amen? That's what we're in right now. And so we're going to do way more teaching about all these feasts. There is so much to the Feast of Trumpets. There are calendar dates. There are numbers. There are just... It, it, the secrets just keep going and going and going. When I heard about Genesis 1-1, I was like, mm, that was good. And then to think about how all this ties. Then you, then you, then you talk about the, um, the Feast of Trumpets, which is basically a wedding with, uh, at Mount Sinai, get, being given the word. And then the word becomes flesh. And then we have an opportunity to call him in. Just the, the, the level of honor that he's given his sons and daughters to participate in. And we act like, what are we doing? The, Is, the, the, the Israelites, they have an, it's an honor for them to celebrate. You guys know that when what we call uh, Pentecost, which is not that, it's not, it, it's the uh, Feast of Shavuot. That was already happening. That's why there was 3,000 right away. They were already celebrating something they had known. They already knew about the wedding gift. They knew after, uh, they knew that after Passover, they knew that they were celebrating a wedding gift that he was going to give them the instructions of how to do it. That's what they were celebrating on Acts 2. They were already honoring and celebrating. You gave us the instructions from our forefathers on how to walk through this wilderness. You already saved us from Egypt. You passed over us. And so now we get the instructions of how to walk it out. They were already honoring that. And then one day he said, just wait. And more came and he said, now the instructions of your forefathers is married inside of you. So then that's the spring. Then we move into the fall feast and the fall feasts are all prophetic. And we have the feast of trumpets which is the calling of him. Amen? I don't know if I, I know some of us might be like frustrated, but this just excites me to get torn down. I get excited about, I have been, I have been, I, I, I struggle because it's my personal thing. I don't want to say that it's a waste of time for anyone else, but for me, I've been wasting my time on Christmas plays. I've been evangelizing, telling people his birth is the thing. Now, I'm not saying that it's not. But can you imagine having that kind of power when you're talking to somebody one day? 
When you hear a shofar, when the frequency inside of you hears a sound you've never heard before, and it's the ruach blowing through a ram's horn, and you hear that sound and it calls you to repentance, that's a whole different testimony. For me personally, I don't know how or why Yeshua did this. This is not about some, uh, um, I don't even know what you would call what we've gone through. I woke up during Shavuot. I don't know how that happened. I was dead to religion and I thought I had it all. <laughs> and I was excited about religion. I was this, I was this fired up about religion. I, I didn't, it didn't matter. I didn't know it was, I was like, you will get saved. It's so awesome. <laughs> and it is awesome. But all of a sudden I was asked to preach and I happened to be in the 49 days after Passover and resurrection. And all of a sudden the scriptures came alive and all of a sudden Acts 2 meant something. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is real. Because they had been doing it and then he, I don't know what happened with the whole timeline in my heart, but all of a sudden I just began to wake up to something I had never understood before. Sorry, family. That's my testimony. I just began to, I woke up during a feast. That's my testimony. I didn't learn that from anywhere. I wasn't following anyone. I didn't know anything about Hebrews. I didn't know anything about Israel. Did not care. I was here for Flagstaff. And all of a sudden, I woke up during a feast. And all of a sudden, Passover became real. And I understood what Passover lamb was. And all of a sudden, I understood what Holy Spirit meant. And the wedding gift. And what they were celebrating. And why they were there. And the scripture's real. And it wasn't just a parable. And it just... Amen? So, what are we going to honor? There's some things that are going to happen. So like I said, you've got a couple of days. Yom Kippur actually starts on Sunday night. It's an amazing celebration. Actually, a lot of people will fast during that day. But before and after, there's a huge celebration. And uh, it's, it's a remembering of the Torah that's been put in us. And so if you're feeling like these last 10 days or whatever you were saying about being tired, it could be because he's calling us to an opportunity to remember the last year and to make a pathway for this next year. And we're going to talk about that when we get into 80 and 81 because I want you guys to understand what this next year is and maybe you'll understand why we need to reconcile some things. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, it's really important to remember when we talk about the Feast of Trumpets that it's the first of the prophetic feasts, the first that have yet to happen. And when you realize that, when you learn about that, you also can recognize when we talk about honor, and these are things that, that we will, when we pray and we lean in about what the Lord is saying, these are things that we just, we feel it in our spirit and it's not some random thing. Because when we talk about honor and we talk about the Feast of Trumpets and we're in the midst of these days of awe, I think one thing that can become clear that we can realize is the danger of misplaced honor. Right? Because you're honoring something all the time. Right? Like we talked about the, the American holidays, Christmas, Easter, you know, all of that stuff, right? And we will make time out of our calendar. We'll honor that. We'll travel. We'll go be with family on those days, right? We're demonstrating honor towards those things. And when we talk about a, a, a floor of honor that we're going to be standing on, it's not like a, 
Hey, Tyler, man, I just honor you, bro. Hey, I just honor you. You know, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're not talking about some shallow sense. So many things have been diluted. Like, we're not talking about a shallow sense of honor. Like, it's just how I treat people. And this is, this is why it's so important, and this is why it's so dangerous that we recognize what we're honoring and if it's misplaced. Like, everything she just talked about, we've been, we've, we're recognizing that there are things that we've honored that God himself, Yahweh himself, did not say to honor. And while we're honoring those things that he didn't say to honor, we're not honoring the things that he said you shall honor into eternity, forever, for generations upon generations, you will honor these feasts. So I think when we talk about honor, part of it is the, is the recognition, the repentance, the thinking different that we're going to honor what Yah said to honor. Okay, now this is why it's important. And I want to sum, I want to tie the, the, this aspect of honor to 5780 and now going into 5781. And Apostle Tanya talked about this prophetic feast of trumpets that has yet to happen, which means we're rehearsing it every time it comes up. So think about this. If we're honoring something else and our honor is misplaced, and Yahweh himself said to honor these things, but we're on a whole nother track honoring things in our Gregorian calendar, in the American calendar, you know, things in the American church. This is what we honor, Christmas, Easter, blah, blah, blah. Well, he said to honor these things, and it's a rehearsal, and we're not rehearsing. Mm -hmm. Now think about this, and, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to have this make sense. Okay, 5780 means pay, the letter pay, the decade of the mouth. It's not a coincidence that in the decade of the mouth, and this is what she was talking about, God has laid it out for us in his timing. We don't have to have some crazy prophet to come in and say, this, this is what God's saying. God made it plain and clear for us. And so the year of the mouth, and it's not a coincidence that we've got this corona, this false crown virus, that you go out anywhere and you're in a sea of people with their mouths covered. That's just me. The false crown virus is seeking to cover everybody's mouth in the decade of the mouth. Okay, now what preceded the decade of the mouth was the Ayin decade, the decade of cutting. One thing about 80, what 80 represents is that what came before you was a refining of your character and your leadership, bringing you to a point of maximum strength. That's what 80 means. When Moses delivered the nation of Israel, he was 80 years old. Think about it. That's what 80 means. You're at your maximum capacity. You're at your maximum strength. And when Moses was 80, Yahweh said, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. <laughs> Come on. How, how do you not get excited about that? By Moses' word, the nation was released when he was 80 years old. That's what, that's what the time represents that we just came out of. Mm -hmm. 
And I, when I hear that, I think, okay, Lord, you brought us through a cutting. You brought us through a refining as a family. You brought us through the fire to, to get our character to the place to where we're at maximum capacity. And I don't know about you, but in the midst of the community and everything that he's taken us out of, I'm worn out. So the interesting thing about this is he brings you to your maximum capacity. And when I talked about when you reach 80 in the spirit, you're at the threshold of a new reality. That's where he wants you to meet him. When he first approached Moses and, and he was talking to him about the staff and he was talking to him about Pharaoh and leading the nation of Israel, Moses said, but why me? Because I've got an impediment. I got a speech impediment. I'm not that eloquent. I get tongue-tied. I can't talk. Pick somebody else. Think about it. What that says to me is that we have reached a place because he wants to take you to a new reality. Okay? Let this settle on your spirit because every excuse that we have in and of ourselves that we would give Yahweh when he says, I want to use you and your mouth to take people out of a place of bondage, restriction, confinement that they were previously in. I'm going to use you, Antoinette, you. But you might say, well, I have this impediment that keeps me from doing whatever you're trying to get me to do. So, so what are our excuses? I, I could think of things when the Lord shows me what I believe, what I perceive he wants me to do. I, I can think of things in the back of my head, but I can't because of this, this, and this. Right? That's why Moses was 80 years old. He had reached his maximum ability, his maximum capacity. And what happens, one thing about the Hebrew culture is whatever age you are, you read the next psalm you declare the next psalm if you're 80 you declare psalm 81 over your life throughout the year whatever age you are you declare the next psalm psalm 81 says that yahweh lifted us out he lifted the nation of israel out of egypt he lifted them out and he says i'm going to widen your mouth <laughs> i'm gonna widen your mouth you know what that you know what that means? He takes you from a narrow place and he widens you. you we are literally the shofar that Yahweh is going to put to his mouth and blow his breath through. And the all that people witness yep. is going to be because there's a yep. vessel that, that walked out to their maximum capacity. And then God took over and said, I'm going to be your mouthpiece. You're going to be my vessel. You're going to be my mouthpiece. And the people are going to be in awe because you walked out to your maximum capacity. And now is the time when I'm going to take over. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful to think about Moses saying, I have, but I have this impediment. You want me to lead a nation. You want me to talk to millions of Israelites and I can't even talk. So what's, what's our excuse? We're, I believe our family is at the threshold 
of a new reality. He's catapulting us into a new reality where a speech impediment no longer matters. Mm-hmm. People will look and say, he has a speech impediment, but he's leading a nation, and they will be in awe because what they see is a shofar being put to Yahweh's mouth. And they're in awe of the noise that's emanating from that vessel. Now listen, I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are just, I, I, I don't know if what the excitement level is about this. Okay, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know. People are excited in different ways. I don't know if everybody's really gung-ho about this or if people are like, whatever, there he goes again, getting all crazy. I don't know. But what it means, though, right, like we're in the time whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah. And what it means is that we are in a place, and this goes back to ownership, because we, God, Yahweh will no longer accept Mm -hmm. our impediments. Mm -hmm. He'll accept our impediments, but he's not going to accept us using them as an excuse. He'll take you with your impediment. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) They'll say, I don't care if you can't talk. I don't care if you're not eloquent. I don't care what you, I don't care whatever you think disqualifies you. I'm going to make people in awe of the noise that comes out of you because it's my breath breath blowing through you and it's nothing you could do. Mm -hmm. But he brought him to a place of maximum capacity, 80 years old. He said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he went and he did it. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's, that's what 5781 is. The Lord has brought us from, he's, he's refined us in the last decade. He's brought us to the threshold where he wants to catapult us into a new reality. And it makes sense to me now because every vision he's shown me that I believe is converging for this time for this family to walk out is going to be, people are going to be in awe of what's happening and the noise that's emanating from this place because they're going to know that it's him and not us. But if we didn't walk out that maturity, if we didn't walk out, you know, the fulfillment of our maximum capacity, why is Yahweh going to catapult us to the next level? Why would he do that? Because then we we may not know the humility that we've done everything and I have nothing left. And this is when Yahweh is going to step in and it's going to be clearly him and not us. Amen. I wanted to add, when he's talking about, I'm going to try to, to do this quickly. Do you guys remember when we were in the 70s? Specifically, uh, 5777. Do you guys remember that? When we were all on our faces in fetal positions, crying at the foot of the cross. I'm pretty sure that was the year Tyler walked in with the cross and we all fell over. And it was like, we just, it was, I mean, it was, the, so my point is, is the 70s was Ayin, which is the sword. Remember, the crowned one is the cut one. So we went through 10 years of cutting. 7-7 was double cutting. Cutting into new beginnings was 78. So every number begins to have meaning and it adds. So when he said that we are in a decade of pay, we are in a decade of us getting loud. So just get used to it for the next 10 years. The focus for the next 10 years is to get loud. Here's what's happening. We were just getting used to, I'm supposed to get loud? (laughs) I liked cutting. 
I was hidden and nobody knew about us and we just didn't have anything and we could just sit here and fall on the ground and but now I have to do something with this right I have to own something I have to build it I have to right I don't like that I thought the cutting was the worst now I'm like can we go back because building is bad <laughs> or anyways however you want to take that um so, so we're in the 10 years of getting loud. Here's what I believe he's saying about 81. Last year was just, just us practicing. Okay, I guess we'll get loud about our family. <laughs> I guess we'll say Kingdom Harris in public. <laughs> I think I'll say mom out loud. <laughs> I think I'll stop saying Pastor Tanya and say mom. That's all last year was, right? It was like Apostle Justin, Dad. <laughs> Wait, we're really going to be brothers and live like it? I thought we were brothers in Christ and I could ignore you until next Sunday. You mean I have to dwell with you and talk about it? And Okay, I guess I'll get loud about my feelings. <laughs> right? We were kind of just like floundering around. That's amazing. We were beginning to use our mouth. 81. Now, adds Aleph. Aleph is number one in Hebrew. It's the strong, silent leader. It is Yahweh himself. Pair what I just said with what he just said. Now you're going to be refined and using your mouth, and it's only going to be him. It's not going to be about necessarily, I'm listen to me by the spirit not necessarily about you and your feelings and how we're going to live together and i'm a kingdom heir and mom and dad it's not about that it's going to be about him refining what's in your mouth this whole next year is going to be getting loud and it's only going to be yahweh's loudness it is the feast of trumpets where you become the shofar that silent one that just vibrates in a sound because he's the only one blowing through us it does not mean that 80 was wrong do you guys hear that the, he, the Hebraic mindset, it does not mean that us trying to get loud and that doesn't mean that that's null and void. And it doesn't mean that it was wrong. It means he's adding to your life. Hebrews believe in addition, not subtraction. Religion believes in subtraction. Sometimes division. but part of the scripture that he was talking about was it Pharaoh said if you multiply lest or I'll keep you enslaved lest you multiply he basically said if you multiply I'm going to keep you enslaved Yahweh himself changes that word in the Hebrew and he knocks out the tooth of the pay the word lest is pay with a tooth in it Yahweh knocks out Pharaoh's tooth and now blesses and says, you shall multiply. So there's, there's so much to what Gabi just said, but Hebrews believe in addition. We believe in multiplication. It's not that 80 was wrong, but now he's going to add to what's in your mouth himself. Not that he wasn't there before, but there's going to be a focused time of 81, a focused time of being able to uh, uh, Basically, what you, what you just said. I'm not concerned. Okay, 
81, 5781, this next year. I am not concerned with your excuses. I will be the one to fill your mouth. You've tried for a year, it's been awesome. Now let me fill your mouth when you get rid of your excuses. That's 5781, yay. <laughs> Amen. So just to add to how real this is, and it isn't, it, this isn't like we can't, we concocted some story <laughs> that sounds nice and fits the numbers. And But when God in the scripture knocked out Pharaoh's tooth out of his mouth, which is pay, the actual living letter, pay has a, t- uh, what is a, uh, Pictographically, because it's a pictographic language, there's a tooth protruding from the upper jaw. Yahweh knocked it out of Pharaoh's mouth, and literally the letter chur- turned into a cough, calf, coof, coof. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same letter without the tooth in it, which means, which literally means he will cause you to multiply. That Here. that letter means cause multiplication. So by Yahweh stepping in and knocking the tooth out of Pharaoh's mouth, he literally took them from confinement and borders and slavery to causing multiplication. It also means that you rest in the palm of his hand. You're in him and not on your own. Your mouth is not your own. You're in him and on him. Are you guys excited about Hebrew? Hebrew thinkers, multiplication, and the layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, and how amazing that this is, that yes, we entered into a civil uh, um, year moving forward, 5781, but then also recognize that we only have six more months because biblically, he starts it all over again in the spring. And we get to then, it's not so much a rehearsal, it is, but it's more of the spring feasts, our celebrations for what he's done. And this is what's so powerful about what we've been learning as a family. Right now, we are right here, you guys. We're like right here. Now, I don't know what this does for you guys in the spirit, but putting yourself on a timeline right here when you recognize that this has already been done in heaven and that we are a reflection It is extremely powerful to recognize that here we are. We get to redo this every single year. But here's where we are in the year. Remember when I told you guys that the feasts follow the days? My gosh, what is with me missing five tonight? I don't, I, I'm, mm. I want, maybe I'm going to have you guys study this, okay? There is a hidden truth in Genesis 1.14 that talks about the lights that were created before the light was created. Not to mention that he separated the light in Genesis 1. Remember when the revelation came about the uncreated realm? There's something powerful when you begin to read it, go back to Genesis 1 with that revelation and begin to understand Genesis 1 and where he separated the light was that uncreated realm because he hadn't created the sun yet. He also created illuminations before he created the stars and there is a different word. The hidden truth would be to look at it when you, when you read it, there's a Hebrew word for light and it's or. 
I'm not saying that right, but it's Meorah. It has to do with menorah when we all come together. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I want you guys to understand that that word Meorah, light, there is a word in Genesis 1.14 that is also Moedim. That word in your Bible says seasons. It says that the lights were given to govern the seasons. You guys remember that scripture? The lights were created. Now remember, there's a light that was created before the lights were created. I wonder who the light is. Did you guys pick that up? There are lights that were created that were called to govern the seasons. That word season is moedim. It's the same word in Leviticus when he is given commandment to tell his sons, you are going to rule and reign over the seasons. That word season is not season, it's appointed time and feast. Genesis 1.14, remember when I said that they were obeying the law before the law was even given. So when we say we do away with the law, well, what about Genesis 1? Like what part are we throwing away of the Old Testament? Just the rules part? I mean, what part are we saying is not null and void? So let me, I'm gonna say that again. I want you guys to study this. Leviticus, let me get you the actual scripture. Leviticus, I think it's 23.2. Leviticus 23.2, there's a word, it says moed. The word moed in your Bible is gonna read seasons. If you look up the definition, it actually is feasts. My point in saying this is in Genesis 1.14, it says that the lights were given to govern the feasts. In Leviticus, the sons were told you were given the ability and the authority to govern the feasts. Can you tie that to what I just said when the Israelites were saying, Hosanna with the palm branches and one day he came? That you have been given the authority to rule and reign and govern the feasts. It's actually our job to govern these feasts. And we don't even know about them. Talk about what your calling and destiny is. That's what I said. What if it's not about lost souls? What if it's about honoring the feasts? So how important is honor? How important is honor when we honor what Yahweh says to honor? And how dangerous when our honor is mispl totally misplaced. So that's why Yahweh is taking us down this path of honor. And what came next is the feast. And he's saying, honor the feasts. I mean, we're rehearsing. How do, you, how do you rehearse the feast of trumpets? You have to understand the shofar. You have to understand Moses in, in 80 and 81. You have to understand all these dynamics to see the picture of how important it is that we honor the feasts and we understand that the feast of trumpets trumpets is prophetic and it hasn't happened yet and with what apostle tanya just talked about governing the feasts if the sons and daughters aren't rehearsing and calling it in then we're not governing anything i think we got did we get everything? But we'll hit a Christmas play. We'll throw a, we'll throw a mad, crazy Christmas play, though. Rent an Easter bunny? Cr Easter egg drop from planes and... Now, Whatever, think of guys, all the crazy things that we, we used to do. We are live. 
So locally, this family understands what we've been through, but I want us to understand that we're not saying that there's not a place for that. The church does have a place. For what? Salvation. But for the sons and daughters that wanna go beyond. And I say, I want more out of my relationship. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stop at a vow and have a one night marriage ceremony and then go, guess we're living together. Maybe when we die, it might get awesome. So I'll just do the dishes and I'll do my weekly duty. Seriously, you guys, we started off as marriage counselors. I'm gonna always bring this back around to family because it is a reflection of who he is and how many marriages. Missy boldly said at the end of 5781, there's going to be less divorce than there was in 5780. How? Because as a bride, we're gonna understand how to honor the husband. We're gonna understand how to honor covenant. We're gonna understand ecstasy. We're gonna understand that there's more than just a vow. There's more than just salvation. There's more than just saying I'm married on a marriage certificate. I have to act like it. I have to walk it out. I have to be it. I gotta be to the fullness. I have to be the fullness of who I am and I cannot be the fullness of who I am if he's not launching me into the fullness of who I am because I wanna be the horn he blows in. Take care of my garden. Yes? Right? And we're, we're not even willing to talk about that stuff because we got five-point grace sermons. I want to get into the, the beyond, the, 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 the good, not the good, st- I mean, it's all good, but you know what I mean? The deep stuff. It's the stuff that is going to, uh, it, it's, it's, that, it's the sound that's going to permeate. What sound is coming from you? comes out of the place of rest and intimacy. It does not come out of the track you're holding. It comes out of the vibration that you're operating in. Trust me, any marriage couple that we have counseled, I know what vibration you're in when you come to my house. You do not need to tell me your sob story and you do not need to tell me your justification and you do not need to even tell me how awesome it is. I already know. They know that at Walmart. You don't have to say how awesome Jesus is and you don't have to say how horrible your relationship is. They already know. Your sound is permeating. That is amazing and horrible. (laughs) All of a sudden my insides are exposed and I didn't even have to do anything because in religion I could just, it was awesome. I just said it and everybody had to believe it. Now it's like, I don't say anything and you just see it. But this is what 81's gonna do. I'm not worried about what comes out of your mouth. I'm worried about him coming out of your mouth, which means out of the heart flows the issues of life. Is he in your heart? And how deep are we gonna go? That's what's mattering. So there's gonna be a refinement in our mouth. Amen? Do you guys have the word for 81? The refinement of our mouth is that it's about him. And it's about what he's done. Amen? Okay. It's almost 820. Gabby, are you guys coming up? I do want really quick, just, and if we can't get into it, we can't get into it. But is there a show of hands or are there any questions 
from what was released about, does that make sense, about the law and why we're honoring the feast and what Paul was saying and what Yeshua was doing and all of that? Do we feel good as a fan? Not feel, maybe you don't feel good at all, but do you guys feel like you understand why we're honoring the feast? How about the month before with honor and ownership? How are we doing as a family? I would need your faces if you're not going to talk, so I know. Good. This table is like, yep. Derek's like, mm-hmm, you saved my life. Scared. But understanding. I just want to make sure. I know it was family night. We didn't really get to the whole question thing, and I want to make sure that if there wasn't this question of like, oh, you said this one thing. Will you explain that? What does that mean? No questions at all? explaining Genesis 1-1. Now, I don't know how to necessarily explain it other than rabbis that have said that if you look at the timeline that Genesis 1-1 was during this feast. Here's what I mean by when I say that. You'd have to look at a calendar when, uh, when, um, when Avraham took Isaac to the mountain, okay? That was on a feast, but it's not talked about in the Bible because you don't necessarily, it wasn't, the feast wasn't introduced that you're going to honor the feast. There were things that were going on before. It's not like it says in Genesis 1-1, and this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's all about timing. So there were things that were going on in Genesis, for example. Here's, here's uh, something that's symbolic. Isaac's getting sacrificed, okay? Abraham is coming down with his knife. And there is a lamb that takes his focus off of his son and he's stuck in the thorn thistles. I knew the story about Isaac. I didn't really ever hear about the lamb taking his attention away. There was a lamb with thorns around his head that took his attention off of sacrificing his son because it was a prophetic story of the son that was going to come that would take away the sacrifice against, the, against your human flesh. That happened on this feast, but that feast wasn't introduced yet. So it's not like when you're reading the Bible, you know what the feasts are until it's introduced because Genesis has all this stuff and then all of a sudden Exodus is like, okay, now I'm gonna, we're going to make a feast and you're going to honor the feast and here's what the feasts are. So they're not introduced until then, but that doesn't negate the timeline before. So that's why I was saying, if we say that we're going to do away with the law, then where do you start? Because they were honoring, Yahweh's word was honoring these timelines before it was even introduced. So you got to take what you know and you have to go backwards to figure it out. And one of the backwards ones is Genesis 1-1 over here. Good question. Go ahead. Okay, Passover, unleavened bread. Really quick, you guys know Passover. Okay, unleavened bread. They had to leave Egypt. They didn't have any yeast because that's pride. He's separating sin away from the loaf. It also arcs with atonement. We're getting rid of sin right now. There's an arcing that's going on. First fruits, you guys understand. Shavuot, Holy Spirit. Tabernacles is dwelling in the tents and yet has yet to happen. Atonement, we just talked about. The last one is tabernacles. Tabernacles. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. Trumpets. Yom Teruah. Feast of trumpets. Also civilly. Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah. 
but that's just the civil way of say, say, saying Happy New Year. What we celebrated was the Feast of Trumpets, and then Tabernacles is last. And then if you line that up with Revelations, it gets really fun, because after Tabernacles, then this is where, it's another mystery, but the eighth day, seventh is rest, dwelling in him in rest. This is all prophetic. So when we release a word that we're in a season of rest, tap into these things. It's not just to hear it. It's because you're understanding what happens in rest. And when you're in rest, that eighth day, that new beginning begins to happen. This is all still coming, but we get to activate it now as well. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.